0: Welcome to an encore edition of Ethics of the Naval Warrior. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. With all the things going on in Washington, D.C. right now, we thought it might be worthwhile to listen to an earlier podcast of Ethics and the Politics of Crisis Response. Our guest is Mr. Brian Kamoy. Brian serves as the Department of Homeland Security Distinguished Chair of Leadership at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. Let's hear what Brian has to say about how junior officers might survive in a politically charged environment. Welcome to Ethics and the Naval Warrior. I'm your host, Michael Sears, and today I'm honored to have Mr. Brian Komoi joining us. And we'll be talking about the politics of crisis response. Brian Kamoy has held several leadership positions at the White House National Security Council, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, and the Department of Health and Human Services during some of the nation's most serious crises, including the H1N1 pandemic, the Deepwater Horizon oil spill, and the Fukushima nuclear emergency, along with many major hurricanes. He joined the Stockdale Center as the Department of Homeland Security's Distinguished Chair of Leadership. Brian, it is a pleasure to have you here.
1: Michael, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you.
0: Well, let's jump right into it. You've seen almost everything. Tell me about the times you've seen the delicate balance between the political response to a situation and the emergency response.
1: Absolutely. So in any crisis, uh, it's important that uh, junior officers all the way up through to senior officials remember that there's an emergency management response that really focuses on subject matter expertise and tactically, technically, what is it you need to do. And then there's a political response uh, among elected officials. Uh, And I think it's really important for uh, officers at every level uh, to know which response you're in. Uh, And to not confuse the two.
0: Is it my job as the situation commander, so to speak, to be that person who answers every question? And if I do, even though I'm not sure of things, how do I handle that?
1: So... I think you need to remember that your job is always to tell the truth and to be candid. Tell your leaders what you know. Tell the public what you know. Uh, Do not be afraid to say, I don't know, but I will find out. Um, Because we've seen over and over, it's much worse to just guess, especially when lives are on the line. Uh, Unless your commanding officer or your uh, elected official has asked you specifically uh, to speculate and everyone understands that that's what you're doing, but you got to tell the truth and you have to uh, tell people when you don't know things.
0: So the leadership lessons, and I'm going to also say the ethical lessons as that situation commander, if you start getting into a situation where people are doubting your word, you're going to have issues.
1: Absolutely. Credibility is paramount. Uh, what we've seen time and time again, uh, is that what the American public wants, for example, and what leaders want, uh, is for you to tell them what you know, what you don't, uh, and most importantly, what they can do. Uh, so I mean, let's talk a little bit more about the, the notion of emergency response versus political response with some examples. Uh, Hurricane Katrina, 2005, saw it play out in President Bush's relationship with Louisiana Governor Kathleen Blanco uh, and her relationship with New Orleans Mayor Ray Nagin. Uh, And these are examples from both sides of the aisle, by the way, none of this Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. partisan in any way. Uh, That was during the Bush administration. Uh, the Deepwater Horizon oil spill in 2010 uh, during the Obama administration. Louisiana local Paris presidents and mayors elsewhere uh, and governors in the southeast became fixated on the deployment of oil containment boom, which, as you know, is the yellow or orange barrier that is laid down to prevent oil from washing up on shores. Even though other aspects of the emergency response were more effective, such as stopping the oil at its source, the BP Macondo well, or skimming oil off the top of the water, boom became a symbol of federal responsiveness to local needs. So the federal response ended up placing boom not only based on the scientific projections of oil trajectory, so the tactical emergency response but also politically to keep governors and Paris presidents and mayors happy. Uh, And we see the same issues Michael play out in the response right now to the COVID-19 pandemic. Scientists and physicians are advising elected and appointed officials on policy decisions, when to reopen the economy, where to send limited resources such as ventilators or personal protective equipment. So you have to know at any one time uh, is what you're dealing with a tactical, emergency management response item, or is what you're dealing with more of an issue for elected and appointed officials on the political scale?
0: You make a very good point here. Now, as a JO or or even as a senior officer, what's your lane? What's your job?
1: I think you need to be clear in what your lane is. As a junior officer and really even up to the kind of the senior career ranks, um, your job is to advise policymakers. Uh, So if you Tell the truth. If you're candid, if you base your advice on the best information you have, uh, and uh, you know, stay in your subject matter expertise lane, and leave the policy and political decisions for the elected and appointed officials to make, uh, you'll be far more successful in navigating a
0: crisis we're in the Naval service here. So oftentimes we are forward deployed. And what that means is we're representing the United States of America. We're the ones in front of that microphone in a sense. So as a junior officer, if you're the one up there and you get a question, what do you do when you know that question is outside of your lane?
1: Uh, that's an excellent question. I mean, that goes back to knowing exactly what your role is uh, and knowing uh you know how far you are authorized to speak uh, and it takes a lot of fortitude so this is hard Michael this is not uh, particularly uh, if there are questions that uh, you know the answer um, or you may not have an answer um, but you know it is not yours to uh, to respond uh, you have to have the fortitude to say uh, that's a question for the, the Secretary of Defense or that's a question for the White House because there's a real danger in going going too far. You may not have all of the information about what policy intention is uh, or where the administration's position is. Uh, And so the risks of going beyond your lane, if you're the subject matter expert and you've been asked to convey an administration position, uh, and if you get questions that go beyond that, uh, one, you can inaccurately convey the position of the United States unintentionally. And a danger in doing that is obviously the foreign policy of the military implications of that. Uh, but from a policymaking perspective, that could also uh, mean it's your last time at the podium. Uh, if you go too far uh, and aren't well prepared uh, and freelance in a way that you know conveys a position that the United States doesn't hold, you are going to impair your own credibility, you can impair the Navy's credibility or the U.S.'s credibility, uh, he simply won't be invited back into the room.
0: And quite quite frankly, you know, we've seen that many times, especially in the the relatively recent history. Our job is to carry out the wishes of the commander in chief. We give an oath to the constitution. So I guess the ultimate uh, responsibility we have is if we can't support what is being said is what? We've seen that.
1: Uh, We have seen that. And uh, in the civilian, I'll start with the civilian context. I mean, at some point, if your views are so different uh, than the president's or the secretary who appointed you, you must resign. Uh, And the most recent example of that, General James Mattis, former defense secretary, resigned in December 2018. Uh, And in his resignation letter, which I would encourage everyone listening to read, uh, he wrote that the president deserves the right to have a secretary of defense whose views are better aligned with his. And so where you, that kind of difference or divergence of views and ethically and morally, you feel like you cannot support the president uh, who, by the way, you know, as a political appointee you serve at the pleasure of the president Uh, that is the language that governs your appointment Uh, and so when you can no longer do that you have to resign but obviously in the case of junior officers uh, they don't have the ability to resign over policy differences but do have the opportunity to help policymakers make difficult decisions uh, and the responsibility to convey the truth and uh, know where you know their subject matter expertise ends and a policy decision that is for somewhere and someone else to make starts.
0: Ryan, this is great stuff. We're running out of time, unfortunately, but I appreciate the uh, the chance to talk to you about the ethical implications of our jobs as military officers, especially within those very difficult political situations.
1: My pleasure, Michael. And I thank you and uh, all of the MIDS uh, and everybody at the Academy for uh, the opportunity to serve alongside you. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Ethics in the Naval Warrior, produced by the Boeing Leadership Innovation Lab at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. You can find more of our podcasts by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu.